0: Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome again to Revive the Drive. I'm here with Pastor Rich Burkle and Pastor Art Georges. I'm Daniel Bennett, and we're talking about the church. The last time we were, we were together, we talked about what is the church, and we talked about how God has given us the church and, and why. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the why of the church. And Rich and I, I remember, whenever I was a little boy, I was talking to my grandmother one time, I was staying at her house in Arkansas, and I, I suggested that instead of going to church that evening, we just stay home and, and maybe go swim in the lake. And she said, no, that wasn't a good idea, and I said, why? Why do we have to go to church? And she says, well, it's what what God desires us to do, and so uh, to my chagrin that night at church. People were, there was a time of sharing, and she decided to share that story of of me asking, I'm sitting right next to her, and she stood up in the front of the whole church and said, I'm just so thankful for Christ's church. My little grandson here didn't want to be here tonight, but, <laughs> but I did, and I'm, so I'm so glad that Christ has given us his church. Why? Why did God decide to create the church?
1: Yeah, well, first you you can take comfort that you're not the first little boy. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> no, since I'm older than you, I remember how <laughs> many days being, being taken to church against my will too. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, as as uh, I've I've. Uh, grown in in faith i've i've come to have such delight in gathering together for god's people and an understanding of why that is so very very important Hmm. and the scriptures are not silent on that very issue either Uh, the scriptures indicate that uh, the church is very important first to god uh, the church is very important also to god's family to us as believers it's the church is very important uh to the world, we have a very important uh, role in this world, and and finally, the church is very important in regard to in regard to the scriptures, in regard to what God wants us to do with His Word.
0: So, several things there about why the, the church is important. Let's let's kind of try to tackle them each each on their own. So, Art, why do you think that, or how does the church? Uh, affect God and his glory and his, his, his kingdom plan? How does God uh, instituting the church uh, impact his
2: glory? Hmm. Well, first of all, it uh, the church demonstrates God's wisdom uh, in claiming for himself a people. Peter says uh, a royal priesthood, as it were, a, a people for God's own possession so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He says that once we were not a people, but God in the church has made us his own people, his own possession. And so, uh, first of all, we see that God brings glory to himself by claiming a people who would live for him, live distinct from the fallen world around them for himself.
0: And I think that's why, as... The gospel writers describe Jesus' ministry of proclamation as he proclaims the gospel, which is going to lead to the establishment of the church. They often use the phrase, he's, he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He's proclaiming God's kingdom. Do you, do you think that relates to that idea of, of, of Christ being the cornerstone of, of the church?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It demonstrates that he is king. He is the creator and king overall.
1: You know, the book of Ephesians has so much to say about the church and, and its connection to to the glory of God in this world. Um, you know, in Ephesians 3.10 it says that God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So if the church didn't have any positive impact here upon the earth, you know, the Apostle Paul is saying that, that it's God's intent that in heaven the church would— be a declaration of God's wisdom to the angelic realm. Mm. And uh, remember at at the end of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, uh, verse 21, he ends this way, To him, to God, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's interesting, he links the glory of God in the church and then right on the heels of that, the glory of God in Jesus Christ. You Mm. know, we, we easily see how God is expressing his glory by sending his son to take on human flesh in Jesus. But we often don't see that that is the same intention of God as he establishes his church, the body of Christ in this world, so that he might receive glory and praise.
0: So the church exists for God and for his glory. It's it's part of his plan. Uh, It's the plan that he's had from eternity past to establish this, this kingdom. But that's not something that that the Jews necessarily knew or understood. I think again about Ephesians and in Ephesians chapter 3 Paul's talking about a mystery and he says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so not only does the church exist for God but it also exists for believers. It's in the church that the Gentile and the Jew can come together. Help me understand that. Let's let's describe that a little bit.
1: Well, in, in God's Kingdom program, he he, he uh, has ordained for the church to provoke Israel to jealousy. He says in in Romans eleven, so that uh, the Israel Israel as a nation, as a people, would recognize that God's grace is being showered out upon the Gentiles, the heathen, the people who weren't given the covenant, they weren't given the commandments, they weren't given the promises, and, uh, and that they then would come to enjoy those same blessings in the gospel through Jesus Christ as well. And, and uh, that does have a huge impact upon the mission of the church and its purpose in our own lives, in both Jews and Gentiles, in that we grow up in God and we bring him glory, and we uh, are able to display his righteousness in our lives as we are discipled and as we are taught through the church. Um, You know, apart from the church, there is no biblical discipleship. Uh, A few years ago, Hillary Clinton wrote that book, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. I disagree with that. I think it takes a family, a mom and a dad, to raise a child. Mm-hmm. But I think we could uh, write a book entitled It Takes, a, takes church a Church to Raise a Christian Yeah. because that is the context in which God intends for us to grow up in him.
0: Rich, I think that's an excellent point because so oftentimes the believers fail to understand how important the church is to their own spiritual life. I was talking with some people about orphan care ministry, which our our churches are very excited about, and I was making the argument that the parachurches that exist to help care for orphans are are wonderful, and I I praise God that he's provided so many wonderful parachurch organizations to, to help us, but really, there is no other institution besides the church that has the spiritual resources that are necessary to ultimately be able to care for the orphan. Art, how have you seen the the church be a an instrument that God uses for believers? As we think about the question, why the church?
2: Well, the church is a is really an extended family. Sometimes the only family. Sometimes people come to faith in Jesus Christ apart from their own blood relationships, uh, coming to faith, and the church becomes their literal family. Jesus said that. Uh, Uh, You will not fail to have um, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers in the believing family of the church for those who have uh, believed in me. And so the church becomes a family. Uh, It becomes uh, what supports and encourages us through this fallen world and gives us meaning and purpose as we wait for our Savior to come back. I also want to go back to this um, statement on Israel, too, and just so the listeners edified to know that God's plan for Israel was to represent God to a watching world, and they continually failed. Uh, The book of Jonah is a good example of Jonah being sent to uh, the Gentiles um, outside of the nation of Israel, and he didn't want to go and God said throughout the Old Testament even to Abraham that all of the families of the world would be blessed through the seed to come and as Israel failed uh, the church must not fail in the same way we are called to extend that kingdom of God that we're talking about um, to the ends of the earth. And that
0: brings up another one of the reasons that Rich mentioned as to why the church exists. Uh, It's not just it, there's also an element where the church exists for the world, and we often think of the world and the church being antagonistic towards one another, but there's a reason that the church exists in order for its, its ministry to the world, to condemn the world, but also to proclaim to the world the, the gospel. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, So there's this element of of unbelievers who the church is going to minister, and they're going to become believers. They're going to pass from death into life. Rich, how else do you see the church impacting the the unbeliever?
1: Yeah, well, Jesus gave us that great commission at the end of Mm. Matthew uh, right before the church was established, and it was to the disciples who would uh, begin and, fi- and become the foundation of the church. Um, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Um, so God's uh, design for the church was is to be salt and light in this world, not to be separate from it, not to be a cloistered community that mm. hides from the uh, wickedness and uh, fleshly nature of this world. But to be a people who enter into that realm, recognizing that there's a great spiritual battle to fight, but the weapons of our warfare are not natural. We don't take up swords or guns uh, or tanks or, or airplanes. We we fight with the weapons that God has equipped his church to fight with, which is the word of God. It's the gospel of Jesus. And and so, uh, you know, a church loses a sense of her purpose when she is not connected to this mission that God gives us to be salt and light, to bring the gospel to people who don't know Jesus as Savior and as Lord.
0: I think that that the church being in the world and not of the world is a, a very difficult tension mm. because, as you mentioned, the, the church is to be salt and light in the world. And yet, as you begin to enter into the world, there's that temptation to start to live like the world. And then there's, as you try to remove yourself from that temptation, you tend to remove yourself from the world. How does the church maintain that fidelity to the gospel in in light of how easy it
1: is to be overcome by... By the world, and that's a very important question because another purpose of the church—it's, you know—we've been talking about these four purposes that uh, we exist to worship God and to bring Him glory, to display His grace. Uh, that the church exists to build up the saints, to help us become more like Jesus. Uh, the church exists to to be a witness in this world, but the church also exists. Its purpose is to. Uh, Secure the treasure of the gospel, of God's word that he's given to us. Uh, In um, 1 Timothy 3, uh, he he writes, uh, the apostle Paul writes, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. He's talking about the church. Which is the church of the living God. And then he says this, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Mm. And so when the church loses a purpose... There is no truth to be brought into this world that can redeem her. And so part of our role is to secure and to defend and to protect the truth that God has delivered to us by his spirit and his word.
0: And that's not arrogance on the part of the church. It's, it's actually humility saying, I need to be in submission to Christ, who's the head of the church, and his role is for me to proclaim truth, and therefore I must proclaim truth, right?
1: Not only is it not arrogance, it's arrogant not to. <laughs> it's arrogant not to, right? to go against that. The most humble thing to do is to affirm what God has said, even when it contradicts our emotions. Right. So
0: Christ's church exists for, for God's glory, first and foremost, of course, and, and we ex- we exist to help the believer, to proclaim the gospel to the unbeliever, to be a salt and light, and to be a, a pillar of truth. And Jesus's words are, are very comforting to us as we think about him establishing the church and, and encouraging us to be the the salt and light that he's called us to be. Well, guys, again, just a great time talking with you about these things, and look forward to our next time on Revive the Drive.